Well, I'm glad to be here, and I'm thankful to get an opportunity to preach God's Word uh, to you and to share a little bit about the things that God has placed on my heart uh, this week. And I'm thankful uh, for the team that we have here. I don't know if I get to tell you all that enough. I'm thankful for Joseph and Lauren and the friendship that we have together. And I miss him when he's gone. I really do. I miss him when he's gone. And we've been texting a little bit when they've been at the hotel. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that they've got to be in Peru with Mitchell and Rachel. And what a blessing that is for them to be uh, over there to help in that work, uh, to get hands-on in that work. I think that was something we were excited about when we started supporting that team was that we could send some people over to be hands-on and help with them. I also want to thank you for praying for our group that was at CYC last week. Um, We had, I think, at least since I've been here, our biggest group that ever has gone with us to CYC. We had 65 people at CYC, and uh, that was a blessing uh, for us to all be in a cabin together and uh, to to have some bonding time. And while, while I did miss, I went back and listened to Joseph's sermon last week, And I'm thankful for the job that he did reminding us why it's important to read these Old Testament passages that we've been reading. And I hope that in your Bible reading plan that it's been a blessing to you. The Bible reading plan has been a blessing to me, but I want to be transparent with you. It has not been easy. It's not been easy for me, and I'm sure for some of you, to stay on task and get those readings done every single day and I'm going to be honest with you, I've been behind. Maybe some of you are behind right now. Uh, but there's some things you can do to get yourself caught up. Uh, one thing you can do is listen to God's Word. Uh, sometimes listening to God's Word helps you get caught up a little faster than it would be if you just sit and read it yourself. Uh, there's some excellent apps on your cell phone that you can use to listen to God's Word. One is called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L. Dwell, you can look it up in the App Store. I think it's on Google Play and the, uh, the Apple Store. And you can go on there and listen to it. And what I love about it is it's not just your typical monotone voice. It's like it's got some inflection in the voice. And it keeps me engaged in God's Word. And that's one way you can uh, catch up. In fact, uh, on the app, our Bible reading plan is already loaded into that app. You can find it on there, five-day Bible reading challenge. Uh, So go on there and help. that will help you get caught up. There's another app called Bible.is. Bible.is. I know it's on the Apple Store. I think it's on Google Play. Uh, But you can go on there, download it, and it's a little bit more of a dramatic storytelling of the Bible and just reading straight from Scripture. Uh, Just about any version that you want. And dwell is in the ESV. But I hope you're powering through this. If you're like me, like I said, I've had to find some ways to keep myself on top of it, uh, but I hope you're, you're doing that and getting through these tough-to-read passages like Leviticus, and now we're powering in through numbers. And so I hope you're powering through that. I want to ask you a question. Who are the people that made it possible for you to do what you do? Who are the people that made it possible for you to do what you do? And who are the people that made it possible for you to have the qualities that you have. You know, I think about um, my grandmother, and I don't know if y'all have noticed this about me, but 
in the last few years, my hair has been changing colors. Um, maybe some of you have already experienced the same kind of transformation that I'm experiencing. Um, and it's not turning brown or blonde. My hair has been turning gray, okay? Turning gray quickly. And I, maybe you're thinking, you know, Alex, you're a little young to be turning gray. Well, about a year or so ago, in one of my master's classes, I was doing this family thing where I had to go back and diagram my family. And I found out from my dad that my grandmother, when he was born and she was about 27, that her hair was already salt and pepper gray when he was born. And so I found out it's her fault that my hair is turning gray. It's not stress. It's her fault. But who, who are the people that have made you who you are? I think it's important for us when we look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you would, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're actually going to be in chapter 12 most of the morning in those first couple of verses. But turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Hebrews chapter 11 is full of reminders of people who made it possible for us to be where we are today. People who made it possible for us to be where we are today. People who went before us. People who have been there already. People who have gone through things that we go through. Many people love this chapter and call it the Hall of Faith. One, one thing I've always wanted to do is go to the Hall of Fame. The, the National Football Hall of Fame. And I've always wanted to go to the College Football Hall of Fame down in Atlanta. It's, it was built just a couple of years ago. But as a kid, I remember going to the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame in Birmingham, where I grew up. And it was so much fun for me to walk through the Hall of Fame and look at these artifacts from sports heroes. Some who came before I was born, but still people that I look up to. People like Bo Jackson and Tim Hudson. Uh, people like Charles Barkley. People who played for Auburn. Uh, sports heroes for me. And to walk through that hall and see things that they wore, which is, that sounds kind of silly, uh, things that they wore, things that footballs that they scored touchdowns with, that was so cool to me. Uh, just this past May, I had the opportunity, while I was over in Memphis, to go to the National Civil Rights Museum. And that was a humbling experience for me. If you've never been to that museum, you need to go at some point in your life. Uh, you can actually walk through history with people who have gone before us, who have changed society. I got to stand in the Lorraine Motel where Dr. Martin Luther King was shot. And where not only was there a tragedy there, but where many people who went before us fought for equality, racial equality, and people who fought for society that's brought us to where we are today, and not that we're where we need to be, but people who have fought for equality for many, many years, and while we have many steps to take, people who have made it possible for us to integrate. And it was very special to me to stand there in that museum where some of those people stood. And when we read through Hebrews chapter 11, it's a great thing to be reminded 
of what other people have done or been through so that you can be where you are today. Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us over and over again about these people. First of all, Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice and was later killed for it by his brother. What about Enoch who walked with God? Noah constructed an ark to keep God's people alive because he was one of the only faithful people in the whole world. Abraham obeyed and went to a place he didn't even know about and offered up his only son before an angel stopped him. What about Sarah who was barren but, but conceived because of her faith? Or what about Moses who chose to suffer with God's people instead of being treated like a king in Pharaoh's palace? He took the Israelites across the Red Sea. They accomplished a great amount of things. These people are listed in Hebrews 11 along with others. These are just some of the ones that we've already read about in our Bible reading challenge. And when I read about these people, I'm humbled. And I want to think about some people who not are just not people that are in the Bible, but people that have brought us to where we are in our faith. I think about a man named William Tyndale. Maybe some of you know who he is. He's an English scholar. And he worked hard. You see his dates of living, 1494 to 1536. William worked very hard as an English scholar to have the Bible translated into English so that more people could read it, so that we today could have the Bible reading challenge in our own language. William was betrayed, strangled to death, and then his dead body after his death was burned at the stake because William translated God's Word into English. His final words were this, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. How cool is that? That was his final words. And a lot of times we forget people like William who, who were killed so that we could hold this in our hand. And often we treat this in ways that aren't acceptable because we forget what people went through so that we could hold this in our hand. So that you can open a cell phone and pull up God's Word in whatever language you want. People who were killed for that. We can talk about this very congregation of the Lord's Church that started meeting in Winchester in the mid-1800s. Maybe you didn't know you were part of such an old congregation. A congregation began meeting in, the, in Winchester in the mid-1800s. Uh, before there was a congregation here, one of the only members of the church that was known, Miss Martha Phillips Sanders, would mount her pony and ride up to Salem, Tennessee to worship with God's people. That's about 60 miles away on a pony. That's a long way. She did this for many years before a building was finally built in Winchester in 1886. Isn't that cool? A congregation of the Lord's Church has been meeting here in Winchester for 133 years. And there are people that have gone before us to give us the opportunity to stand here in this very building and worship our God. And it's important for us to go back and read about these people who gave us the opportunity. It gives us more appreciation for what we have and where we are. Now look at Hebrews chapter 12, 
and verse 1. The writer of Hebrews, which many do not know exactly who that is. There are theories, but nobody can say for certain who wrote the book of Hebrews. But the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So after finishing Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, he stops in chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, now that I've reminded you of the people who went before you, now that I've reminded you of the people who went through a lot for you to be able to worship, now that I've reminded you of that, he's basically saying, look, the gospel works. The gospel, what's written in this book, it works. For thousands and thousands of years, people have been following God's commands, and it works. And because it works, now it's your turn. Now it's our turn. He says all these people went before you, but they're not here anymore. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who fought for you to be able to have what you have and do what you do, but those people aren't here. And now it's your turn. Now it's our turn to take part in the history of God's commands to follow God's commands, to follow what He says in His Word. It's our turn. And and look where He goes from there. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I want you to see what the writer of Hebrews does right here. I don't want you to to miss this. This is important. I want you to get this because this is something that was brought to my attention this week studying for this, for this passage. Isn't it interesting that he divides these two words, weight and sin? He, he divides these two words out into two separate ideas. And so what I want to bring your attention to is apparently there are things in our life that hinder us, things that are hindrances to our faith that are not necessarily sinful. Did you catch that? There are things in this life that he calls weights that aren't necessarily sinful, but they are hindering your relationship with the Almighty God. And every single one of us has some of these weights. And he says, let us lay aside Every weight. Now some of these weights are good things. Some of these weights are in themselves good. But they're not good when they hinder your relationship with God. Nothing is worth hindering your relationship with God. Now I think about some things that, like comfort. Comfort is not a bad thing. Comfort, in fact, is a good thing. But comfort is a bad thing if it's so important to you that you are not willing to follow God's will because you want to be comfortable. Uh, I think about money. Money's not a bad thing. But money is a bad thing if it controls you. And that everything you do, every 
situation that you're in is all about money, then it's a bad thing. Let's, let's get a little bit closer to home for some of us. What about TV? TV's not a bad thing. TV has some good things on it. There's some things on TV that are, are nice to watch, that challenge us, even some things as Christians. TV's not a bad thing, but TV is a bad thing if it hinders your relationship with God. What about a tablet or a cell phone or any other kind of video game? Those things are not in themselves bad. But good things can be weights that weigh us down as Christians and keep us from having the relationship with God that we need. These weights can be hindrances to our Christian walk. Food is a good thing. But food can be a bad thing if it's your full focus in life. We've been programmed by our culture to think that, well, if I'm not doing those things, I'm okay. You think about the big sins, maybe, that come to your mind. I'm not doing those things, so I'm good. So, you know, I'm not looking at porn, so I'm good. I'm not doing drugs, so I'm good. I'm doing great. I'm not lying. I'm not cheating. I'm not stealing. I'm doing good. But it's not always the sinful things that are keeping us from our relationship with God. And good things can become weights and they can become sinful if we allow them to get in the way of our relationship with God. Maybe sometimes our thinking needs to be this. What are the things that are hindering me from honoring God with the way that I live and the way that I use my time? Let's stop and think about that. But he says, don't just lay aside the hindrances. Also, lay aside the sin which clings so closely. How is your battle with sin going? How's your battle with sin going? When's the last time you really asked yourself that question? How is my battle with sin going? I wouldn't ask you if you're perfect, because we all know the answer to that. We all know that there's not a perfect person in this room. Because we're going to lose some battles to sin sometimes. But are you losing more often than you're winning? Or are you winning more often than you're losing? Think about that. Satan is after Christians. I don't want you to forget that. Satan is after you. And just as Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 13, sin will choke you out. Sin will choke you out. I mentioned to someone this morning that sometimes when I wear a tie, y'all know I don't do that too often, but I feel a little choked out when i got a tie on. But sin will choke you out. Sin will really choke you out. Sin will suffocate you and kill your relationship with your spouse and your children. Is it worth it? Is it worth that? Sin will suffocate you and kill your ability to serve other people like Jesus did. Sin will suffocate you and kill your ability to teach the gospel. Sin will suffocate you and kill your ability to do your job. Sin, clinging so closely to you, can choke you out. 
Now, I like this word. I want to look at this word for a minute. The word clings. Other translations use the word ensnares, gets in the way, trips us up, entangles us. I like that word entangles. I want to show you a picture on the slide uh, of a man who's entangled. He's, he's entangled. Um, man, have you ever had some cords tangled up at home? Oh my goodness, I see a lot of this right here. Is that not the most annoying thing? Maybe not the most annoying thing in this life, but when you need one cord and everybody has that little duffel bag at your house that's full of cords, and honestly, most of you don't even know what they are or what they go to. You just had it and you thought, well, maybe I need this one day, so throw it in the duffel bag. And you probably will never go get it. But if you do need it, when you open that duffel bag, it's tangled inside with like, and this isn't probably an exaggeration, thousands of cords in that duffel bag. We've got one of those duffel bags. And I want you to think how annoying that is. And the word that he uses here, entangles. Sometimes sin feels like this. Sometimes sin feels like this. Like, like we've got this sin that's just all around us, that's choking us out, that's holding us down. And as Christians, we need to be people who are serious. Not about putting sin aside, but putting sin to death. Now, I know this is a silly picture, but I want you to imagine you walking through life like that. Imagine how being forced to walk around with all those cords attached to you, imagine how that would affect your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your ability to do your job, your ability to play the sport that you play or do the things that you love. Imagine having to walk around like that. But in fact, as Christians, this is exactly what we're doing. We are walking around in our life with sin entangling our body and it's keeping us from being able to do the things and fill the roles in our life that God has called us to fill. And until we are serious about putting this to death, putting sin to death, we're going to struggle. Don't walk through life like this. Walk through life free because Jesus Christ died for you and can take away the sin that's in your life. Now let's keep reading. Still in verse 1. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love the way the writer of Hebrews writes this because he's basically saying, he, he's basically giving us a little bit here because he's saying, look, it's not easy. Sin, you know, life, Christian walk, those things are not easy. He says you need endurance to do those things. You can sit down with any Christian in this room and I guarantee you that if you ask them how easy their life has been, that most people can list several things that they've been through that has made life a little more difficult. Some things that have made life hard. About two years ago, I started running. Maybe y'all remember that. I remember putting a picture on the screen of me at the end of a run. And I didn't want to do that again today because I think that was hard enough on you the first time. My face was really red. I was about to uh, pass out for sure. And I've done that before running. Um, it's not an easy thing. People who run have a special kind of focus. 
we've got a lot of runners in here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Ethan for a second. Ethan is one of our runners. Uh, those of you probably know Ethan's at Milligan College, and he's on the cross country team and the track team. He's running. And last weekend we were at CYC, and Ethan came to visit us. We we're so thankful for that. We always love to see Ethan. Two weeks in a row now. And Ethan comes in, he said, we had some free time. He said, hey, I need to go for a short run. So I'm going to go for a short run. So I'm thinking, okay, like a mile, something like that. Ethan says, no, I'm going to run six miles is my short run. So that took me back a little bit. So then, you know, I'm like, maybe he's going to go down to some gym or something, find a track or a treadmill or something. So then we go out on the back deck. And from our cabin, it's just mountains on both sides. I mean, we're in Gatlinburg. And we see Ethan going up this mountain, coming back down this mountain, and then going up this mountain, coming back down this mountain before he came back to the cabin. I'm telling you, runners, people like Ethan, have to have a very special kind of focus to do something like that. Not only six miles, but six miles in the mountains. I can't run one mile on a flat track, much less in the mountains. And as Christians, our Christian walk is kind of like that. It's kind of mountainous, up and down the mountains. And the only way you can do that, and if you talk to Ethan, you know, he can't turn around and run backwards and look behind him. He has to look forward. He has to look straight ahead. And as Christians, we have to be focused with endurance because it's not an easy race. It's not an easy thing for us to do. It's, in fact, it's really hard. And in our Christian walk, we get broken. I'm a broken person. I'm broken. We are broken people. And there are times in our life when sin entangles us and sin takes over us. And honestly, sometimes, and I think we've all been there, it feels too hard. Life feels too hard. Life feels like too much of a burden sometimes. And because we're broken, that's to be expected. And it may feel like you're in a season right now that feels just a little too much. But look what he says in verse 2. I love it. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why do we look to Jesus? Why is Jesus our focus? Because He's been there. He understands. Jesus already came to this earth He already walked as a human. You know what? Life felt a little too much for Jesus. When He was in the garden, He prayed, Father, let this cup pass from Me. Essentially, He's saying, Father, I don't want to do this anymore. Don't make me go through this. Have you said that prayer before? from your knees, where you look to God and you say, God, let this pass for me. 
God, I know that in the end you're, you're going to be glorified. I know in the end that something good is going to come from this. But God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do it. Have you felt that way before? Have you said that to God? Because I have. In fact, most of us have probably said those words in the last couple of months when you face something really difficult. Jesus has already been there. And not only has He already been there, but He found and perfected your faith for you. Because He took those steps, and even when it was too much, even when He said, Father, let this cup pass from me, Jesus went up on the cross. And He died for you. Because He loves you. And the only way your faith could be made perfect was for Him to hang there on the cross. And as we've been reading through Leviticus and Numbers, and we're reading about the Old Testament and the things that they had to do to get to where we are. And Jesus stepped into this world and He chose to endure the cross so that your faith could be perfected. And look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. The Hebrews writer is reminding us how difficult it was for Jesus. Consider him who endured. He had to endure too. Just as I'm calling you to endure and run with endurance, Jesus had to endure. He endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Look at the end of verse 3. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This falls so perfectly after chapter 11. Because it reminds us, he says, look, in chapter 11, he says, look at all these great men who came before you, great women who came before you. But let me tell you something about Moses. When Moses died, one Bible verse for Moses' death. When Joshua died after Moses one verse about Joshua's death. Because you know what? The Old Testament, these lives of these people in chapter 11, it's not about them. Our life, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. He's the one that will be glorified. He's the one who perfects our faith. He's the one who perfects the faith of people across the globe. Jesus, not us. And as broken people, we come before the throne of God and we're reminded, we're humbled that Jesus Christ died for us. And no matter where your relationship is with Christ right now, Christ perfects your faith. And in an instant, you can become one with Him in baptism. You can come before the throne of God and say, God, I am broken. And you know what? You can say to God, and how amazing it is that we can talk to the man who created us. The God who created us. You can talk to Him and you can say, God, I am broken. I'm broken. And you know what? Life feels too hard right now and I need help. I need support. And you have the chance to do that today. You can come forward in just a moment 
when we stand up and sing, you can come forward and you can say, I'm broken and I need the prayers of this church. I'm broken and I need my faith to be perfected in Jesus Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ. I need to be perfected through Him.